Welcome back, Crusaders. This is the Nerd Crusade Podcast, episode 51, or 52. No, it's episode 52. There you go. You want to redo? Nope. We're going to just keep rolling with it. Episode 52. <laughs> um, I'm your host, Ian. As with me all of these is Courtney. Hello. Yep, this week, we're going to be talking about uh, episode two of Night Country, yes. Delicious in Dungeon, Death and Other Details, and we'll give you a follow-up on Echo. Your favorite show. Yeah, it's actually not that great, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> okay, so first let's talk about uh, True Detective Night Country. Yep. Episode 2 came out this week. Yes. As we found out at the end of episode 1 that they had found the scientist all covered, all buried in ice and whatnot. And mm-hmm. this episode, they are digging thawing them, them out. out. Well, digging them out and thawing them out. And uh, right before the credits... We discovered one of them is still alive and scared the shit out of the audience by screaming. Yeah, as they were like dusting off snow or whatnot, somebody broke off a, a limb and then the guy started screaming. Apparently he's now in a coma in the hospital. Yeah, an induced coma and he's going through surgery because they have to remove a leg and, you know, make sure he survives. Okay, so what does can... make sense though is that they had to thaw everyone else out slowly the guy was screaming, how the hell did they get him out into the hospital without destroying anything? That's a good question. That's <laughs> something they glossed over very quickly. Um, I'm guessing maybe he had enough body heat to stay alive and they were able to like chip him out carefully. Who knows? Yeah, it's really, it's really weird. It was a good, Cross over that fact. It was a good jump scare. I wasn't expecting the guy to be alive. Oh, that scared the shit out of me. Because like, he just starts yelling. Screaming and they everybody in the scene. Yeah. Oh, um, really good. <laughs> it, and also, like, these cops are fucking stupid. Yes. <laughs> They're taking everyone selfies except, with the bodies. Yeah, everyone except uh, Danvers and Navarro are fucking idiots. And um, the kid that helps... Uh, Danvers out her like deputy it's really weird because like they're taking selfies with it they're goofing off it's like dude these are dead people like why the fucking respect no cop would ever fucking do that and expect to keep their job and it'd be really weird that just because you're up in alaska you'd think that in a remote village it's like no 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 because you're foster i tell like knock knock it off and stop and stop acting up like they're on a crime scene um but like basically they found a bunch of the scientists, they were all naked. Their clothes were folded up neatly and put and placed uh, inside. But it wasn't like enough clothes to be all of them. Yeah, they only found like three pairs of shoes and like five pairs of clothing. And it's... Like six or seven of them? Yeah, they're supposed to be eight. No, you know you're right. Like six of them. Yeah, something like that. So like something's definitely going on and like the whole... The interesting thing about Jodie Foster's character is, like, her whole thing is, like, asking the right questions. So uh, she, like, squizzes her deputy to try and figure out what... As they're thawing out the uh, scientists at the local hockey rink. Yeah, like, she's always saying, like, hey, that's the wrong question. What's the right question? Like, how... Why did they leave? Or what would make them leave the uh, research center with half their clothes on? Yeah. Or why did it take... Or it? completely naked. Yeah, so you kind of, like, learn, like, hey, when you're hyper, you get hyperthermic, you can get delirium, so you can start uh, doing thinking, crazy things. Yeah, thinking you're warmer than you actually are, so you start stripping. Yeah, like, people with severe hyperthermia start getting hot, and they start taking their clothes off, which is a bad thing to do. Yeah, but why are all the clothes neatly folded? So yeah. that brings up the question of 
is this a serial killer that did it? Also, the fact that there's also, they also found a mark on one of the guy's heads, which Wait. turns out to be a tattoo mark that was on one of the other researchers there, mm-hmm. as well as later on we find out it's a tattoo that was on the dead activist girl's body. Yep, that died a few years ago. Yeah. So the next question it would be what they end up asking is like, how the mark get there? Uh, means somebody put on there after death, which means somebody's still alive. Somebody, uh, or yeah, somebody did that to, to them. To them, yeah. And not that that was this is a freak accident. Um, so yep. it kind of paints a picture that there's a killer there and whatnot. And then uh, Navarro ends up finding out that hey, um, the one of the researchers that had a connection to the girl possibly bought a trailer from uh, one of the miners' cousins. Yep. Um, she, her and, the, and Danvers end up there. Kind of this, or she takes Danvers there, right? Yep. Yeah. Danvers there, because Danvers finally relents and asks uh, Navarro to join in so they could solve both murders, because Danvers like, okay, there is, there is a lot of evidence showing that... There's a connection. There's Especially a connection. When they found out that the symbol was a tattoo the guy had, and the guy had got the tattoo just like she had, and that they were, yep. they were basically together. Like in a relationship, because the uh, picture that he sent to the tattoo artist was of his... Of, the, of her tattoo. Of her tattoo. And she's um, topless, pressing herself against him while he takes the picture. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's that's a lot of the reasons that they came up with, with the case. And the rest of the episode was kind of just building up what was going on between all the characters and, like, who they are. Like, yeah, like Danvers, they, the way they are. Like, Danvers is there because she was promoted, but it was, like, as a punishment to a guy that she was sleeping with who was married at the time or something. Or she, just about to get married. Yeah, and then she was in a relationship. But apparently it seems like the accident in the past was that she lost her lost her kid and maybe even her husband maybe we don't know we don't know <laughs> we just know that she uh was with the girl's dad that she's taking care of so yeah. i guess she is the stepmother um and that she was very happy with them but i guess they had their on and off moments yeah so that part's like getting, getting We're pieced dead. together but yeah. it's like it's still i, I kind of like kind of like don't care about like the person i'm more interested in what's going on with this case um, we find out that the old lady who discovered all the bodies is a friend of Navarro's, um, and that she's been seeing dead people. Well, her dead, uh, boyfriend. Boyfriend. Before, and like she said, and she kind of said, yeah, they have seen, um. Like, this seen... is a pattern in the town. Yeah. Like, people will see dead people. Um, and she said, like, don't mistake it for mental health or vice versa yeah because you try to like put down like her because Navarro's sister has mental health issues and she tried to tell her that will maybe try to link it to like the supernatural stuff and she's like straight up said don't no. mix those two things up uh <laughs> but she said something interesting which was like hey the dead only come back for a few reasons either they want to see you they got to tell you something you need to know or they want to take you with them you need to figure out what it is they want before you do anything Yep. Um, Which is why she was like in her house staring at the her dead friend, and she was like, "Okay, you're you want to show me something? Fine, I'll follow you." Yeah. And that's why she or how she found the 
Yeah, and then she also points out the symbol that um, was t- on the guy's forehead yes. that he got tattooed was a very old symbol. And then she swiped it off the snuff. She showed it to no- Navarro saying it's like older than this place. Even uh, older than the permafrost. It's yeah. like, damn. <laughs> so like there's some like supernatural native thing going on here that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learn more about what the scientists were doing in the research station, which basically they were, do- ge- they were sequencing a geno- uh, genetic genome of a... Or microorganism that can do cellular regeneration. So again, it's like somebody trying to find the fountain of youth, basically, or the cure for cancer. Basically, the, yeah. a miracle drug or a miracle uh, microorganism that they can do something with. Um, but while people are saying like, "Yeah, it's, you can't do this shit," because even like, even the process of them doing the, doing their work, it destroys the samples that they're trying to get. So it's like it's an impossible task. Yeah. So basically, it's a money sink for Whatever. some scientific group yeah. or whatnot. But basically, they're looking for the Fountain of Youth or Miracle Cure All thing. Um, somehow, it's tied to this old ancient symbol. Somehow, it's tied to this girl's death that happened uh, before. What well, was a year before? Uh, about a couple years. Yeah, a couple years say. before or whatnot. Um, and now Navarro and Danvers are teaming up one last time. They said, this is the last time we're doing this. The only thing we're doing is working on this case. So your yep. case is solved. My case is solved. And then we just go our separate ways. Um, yeah. But then what ultimately the end of the episode ends up giving us is that after all the guys have thawed out, they realize they're missing a body yep. and it ends up being the guy who had the tattoo and the trailer. Yeah. So he is still alive, possibly somewhere out there, because they have no body for him. No body, no death. And that's the guy that was shaking in the beginning of the first episode that said, she's awake. Yeah. And the lights went out, and then somehow everybody ran out of the building and froze to death outside. Um, so, also kind of strange that they froze to death outside, that they weren't, like, laying on the top of the first level. Even if it's been two days, would they be buried to their neck? Yeah, like it's... It's really weird because it's, it's more like they fell in a pit. That's what I was thinking. Like maybe they fell into water or something. Yeah, because they're all and then, frozen together. Yeah, that, so some of them were completely underground. Uh, by yeah, the I don't think two days of snow would have covered them that much. Well, it would cover them, but it would like how they were frozen. It was like an ice too. Yeah, it was like it an was ice like compact and ice. So. Because they had to yeah, thaw them I'm out think, slowly. That's yeah, why they took them to the roller to the ice skating rink, so they'd be at thirty-eight degrees and, sl- slow, and slowly thawed. Slow, slow. Oh. But yeah, I'm thinking that they were submerged in water. Okay. And that's how you would get that uh, quick freeze and that like horrific, mm-hmm. um, you know, pained expressions they all had. Yeah. So that's really interesting. What's going on here? But like. I think this is the reason why I stopped watching True Detective was that they have a pretty good mystery going on, but then they're spending a lot of time focusing on, like, bullshit relationships to give us background that has nothing to do with how they're going to solve the case. Like, the fact that she's fucking her old boss who screwed over and sent her up there has nothing to do with what's going on to me. And, like, the inner relationships of the kid and her, like, underage girlfriend sneaking out to make out... Has yeah, nothing you don't doesn't, care. doesn't yeah. add to what the mystery is. Um, and that's just because that's HBO Entertainment. They got to throw a bunch of BS human story in there. BS human story. <laughs> well, like, that's not why we're there. We're there for the mystery, but the mystery is not going to take up the full uh, hour of television, right? So they got to throw more stuff in there. Well, um, it also 
I gives like, you more background on the town. Yeah, do like how the, the people. Of the town. Yeah, so you have to do that, and how do you do that with people? So it's showing a balance of the people and the main characters, how they're perceived by the town as well. Yeah, but it's also what we've seen so far doesn't answer why why the other guy, other cop guy, doesn't respect her as the chief. And no, I think we'll probably her. get that. Probably either in the next, hopefully in the next episode, because this is only six parts. Yeah, only six parts, and we're so, be about halfway through next next week. Yeah, so hopefully we get that answer next week. Yeah, we'll see. It's still a, a good mystery, and that part has me hooked. But like, there is some non secular, like, hey, here's some random sh- random sh- shit happening. Yeah, I know you don't like the human aspect of it. <laughs> it's just kind of meh. Now, to talk about another uh, murder mystery show that we yes. came across. It just came out uh, last week. Yeah, on Hulu. Uh, it's called Death and Other Details. Uh, just randomly came across this trailer online. And originally, I actually thought it was a period piece because everything kind of looked... Um, like Art Deco. Oh, it was Art Deco. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was like definitely 1950s or definitely 60s or something. It just looked... Like it has it, a unique style to it. Yeah, and then we find out in the first episode that, like, with the location that they're at, everything that you see and touch is, like, retro 1955 or not. Like, the environment they're on was designed to look that way. Yeah. Hence the reason everything feels that way. But this is a murder mystery kind of in the spirit of Agatha Christie. Yeah, I think Death of a Nile. Yeah. Or Death on the Nile. We're basically um, on a private uh, a yacht's, like chartered out privately by family and their business partners and friends and whatnot um, for like a uh, the patriarch's retirement party, yeah. basically. One of the patrons who is depicted to be like a gross, disgusting, piece of shit asshole gets harpooned in his room Yeah, two night. days after the sailing. Yeah. Um, and then one day, uh, after they find the body, Interpol's going to show up and uh, they just so happen to have a world-renowned detective on board, too. Yeah. Kind of at the, at the same level of, like, Detective Perot. Yes. Um, well, was, as we find yeah. out in the series. But, like, that's what his reputation was, was like. So he just happens to be on there. And then there's this other gal who is set up to where she could be a prime suspect because she went into the room to go break the guy's watch because he was a dickhead. Uh, but it just so happens... He died the same night, so she now looks like a prime suspect. So she ends up working with this detective dude to try and figure it out. But then we find out while watching this whole thing that there's a much bigger history between everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and and between those two in particular. Yeah. Um, turns out our main character, Imogen, um, who is the best friend and kind of like semi-sister to um, the next in line to take over the big company mm-hmm. of this rich family. Uh, she is the best friend and pseudo-sister because... Her mom was the secretary for the company and died in a car bomb in their driveway. Yes. <laughs> um, so then the family took her in because, like, her mom got killed in their driveway. Yeah. And they hired uh, this detective uh, whose name is Rufus uh, Cotsworth. Yeah. And so he's trying to solve uh, her mother's murder. Uh, murder. Uh, they're, they're trying to get her closure so, like, she'll stop acting out. Because, basically, when they introduce Rufus to us and her to him, it's like, oh, she was acting out of school. She's doing this. Please, whatever you need, we'll pay you to help 
solve this so we she can get some closure. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does like she's very smart, very good at at being like a natural like detective type of thing and, yep. and breaking codes and whatnot. Um, she's very good at the details. That she would be like you know a perfect assistant for a detective. Um, but throughout the first couple episodes, we watched two episodes. That yes, came out. two episodes came out. Um, we see that the first episode, they don't have a good relationship. Like she thinks he's a fraud and all that because he couldn't solve the, her mother's murder mm-hmm. and he just walked away from it. We find out by the second episode that he might have been forced off the case by something else going on. And that's why he yep. didn't solve it. Um, and it's tied to this whole family. Um, there's a big mystery of whether or not they are they're doing this big business deal on the shot at the same time as this retirement party because their business might be failing or maybe it's not. Um, there's Bob power plays. There's the sister who's like the next in line, the dipshit brother who is like a cokehead and basically blows money because he can't come up with a yep. an idea. <laughs> there's the governor of Washington state. I think not the governor. She's a Senator. Is she a senator? Or she she's a, a senator. She's not the governor. She goes to Washington D.C. She's a senator. Uh, so just label her as Alexandra. I yeah. Just when they say governor, she's not a governor. Okay. So she's a politician of some sort. Her her a pri- senator. Her priest friend, who is deemed the god, the kingmaker, mm-hmm. who gets people in uh, politics and meet, has them meet everybody. Um, you have the Chinese family who is there to do a business deal. Yep. Um, to possibly save the company or whatnot. Um, and then the guy who gets killed was a friend of uh, the brother, who was his big investor, who basically screwed him over by not investing in his stupid idea. Yes. Um, so you, all these people tend to have like some type of motive to possibly want the guy dead because he's he's an asshole. And uh, the sister's wife thought she he was stalking them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like being, she's super paranoid. She had an accident, like a car accident. I think. Yeah. And ever since then she's changed. She doesn't want her photo taken. She rarely goes out in public, uh, freaks out over a lot of little things. And, uh, we see her confront him. Uh, I think the day before day of his murder or day of his murder. Yeah. He's going to this room and she says, hey, you were following me in New York and Miami. Who are you? And she's convinced that him being Trip, whatever, or not Trip was the, was the other guy's name, as the brother's name. What I can't remember what his name was. Um, is there a list from here? They mean, uh, no, it's, maybe it was Keith. But well, anyway. Whatever it was, it's... He, there's a big mystery about, about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the first two episodes, like the cast is really great. They set up a good mystery and like they end it with a big twist on almost every episode. Yes. It seems like. What's really great is the guy who plays Rufus is um, Manny uh, Pactikin. Uh, basically, he's the guy who played in Inigo Montoya in uh, Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. I want to say there was a show called Perot where he played Perot, but I couldn't find it on IMDb. Huh. Um, but I think he's played like the detective role before and other stuff. Um, but he does a really good job. You don't even recognize him because he has a big bushy beard and everything in this. Um, but it turns out that like nothing is what we th- thought it was as laid out as like, this is just a cocky, rich asshole 
who's pissed off everybody on this boat in two days that everybody has a reason to possibly kill him mm-hmm. or want him dead to where we end up finding out in episode two that he's actually the detective. Well, no, we find out at the very end of episode, episode one, one that he's the detective's uh, assistant because the detective always he says, I always work with it's, an assistant. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he was working with him when he was working on uh, Imogen's mother's Well, and case. was still working with him yeah. as we find out in episode two. And his name's actually Danny. Yes. Um, so, like, it's really interesting that, like, that was the big twist. Like, first we're thinking, like, he's playing this role of this asshole investor. He's pissing everybody off. He's getting some information at the same time. So, like, he was a really good good assistant. I was, like, yeah, picking up he was excellent. And playing this role really, really well for somebody, like, as far as we knew, a detective assistant, as least as we see with Imogen, is not playing a role the whole time. Mm-hmm. Or being a different character. He was being a completely different character to um, get information of all these high-profile people on this boat uh, to a point where one of them killed them. And that's how we know that, okay, it's not just like an, he's an asshole or a vengeful thing. Something bigger is going on. Mm-hmm. And then that's where episode two, they kind of explain more of the relationship with Imogen and the detective and that this whole thing is kind of leading back to somebody maybe killing her mother for uh, send a, a threat to... The, the family. The family, or maybe the family's involved somehow. Because he had a suspect during the case, and then he just basically dropped it. Well, he didn't drop it. The uh, the family the stopped paying of, him, yeah. is what she was told, and he stopped working it. Um, but it seems more like he was told to get back, out, <laughs> back the fuck off and go away. Um, but he, and that's like, after that, he kind of became a wash-up. Yeah, because he couldn't complete that. Yeah. Um, but Danny kept pushing, like, hey, We'll solve this other. We'll solve this case if we go on uh, on this boat trip with uh, this family. We maybe get, be able to look at their books because the whole time trying to find a connection between the killer's name who bought all the bomb parts mm-hmm. and the family who they thought like okay maybe they're blackmailing them or forcing them to blackmail. Reason got kicked off the case is he wanted to look at the business books and they refused to let him look at that. Yeah. Well, since there's a big, this is a big business merger happening on this yacht, their books would have to be available for somebody to look over so they can finalize the deal and whatnot right then and there. So that's why they had the plan. I'm going to go on the boat as Trip's investor, uh, and then the detective got hired as the Chinese family's like private security. Well, not private security, but to kind of spy and dig into yeah it's private security to the public but he was ultimately hired to give them dirt on the other family yeah uh what we find out during their interrogation um but it turns out like everybody has ultra ultra motives throughout this whole thing because the detective wasn't there to do anything that they were there there to do or believe Mm -hmm. to be done he wasn't going ever to invest in the brother's project he was never going to give them uh, secrets on the other family they're there just to do their own case and Imogen just happens to be there. And because of this murder, he was able to rope her into helping him out, or she's going to be the only suspect that Interpol is going to investigate to say that uh, killed him. Um, and now we got to figure out what the hell's going on yeah. and who's trying to kill who, uh, because there's just a ton of different characters. Like, this is very reminiscent of, like, Glass Onion or Knives Out 
very well written and uh, done very well. Mm-hmm. Um, very stylized, and the editing's really good too. Yeah, the transitions that they do, uh, even from the first episode, the, like you don't get an opening sequence. The first episode, you just get a transition. Yes. Uh, and then they have a really cool opening sequence, but like even when he's kind of having her remember the past about like what was going on and look at all the details, like. I was seeing where like she was crying when then it started raining and then they transitioned to like present day or something like that. Yes. It was done really, really well. Um, all the acting's great. Um, really interesting so far what's going on. Definitely recommend you watch it. We'll keep you up to date with kind of how it goes. We're, I don't want to like keep summarizing every, summarizing every show. Well, do yeah. but we can talk about like the cool beats about it and, uh, and, the beats the, the and the bops. Points. So, like, it will get spoiled as you listen to us talk about it, but we're not going to go beat by beat, minute by minute on the episode. Um, I think uh, it's definitely worth watching. It's on Hulu. Uh, you can catch it, I believe, is it every Sunday? Uh, no, Tuesday, January 23rd. So every Tuesday, I So believe. every Tuesday they're going to come out with either one or two episodes. They launched it with two episodes uh, last Tuesday. They'll either give us another two episodes or they'll give us one episode and go one episode at a time. Mm-hmm. Again, as, as, it's weird because like different networks, if they have faith in a show, they can put it out one episode at a time. If they don't have faith in a show, they'll put it out all at once. But Netflix can go and put out a show all at once and be completely successful. Or they can yeah. sometimes go, oh, we'll go week by week. Uh, because they're, I don't know, like the British... Baking show. I don't know if that's because it's of broadcasting. I think it might be because of broadcasting. Okay, because like Netflix tends to like here's everything all at once, right? But their shows tend to be successful. Where like Disney goes, here's everything all at once. It's shit because we have no faith. And like Hulu will go, all right, here's everything all at once. Just in, just consume it, and then oh, here's it episode by episode. If we want it you to, it's also if it's being broadcast too. That is true. This one isn't, but I think they put two out to try to get you hooked. And especially yeah. since it's a because Amazon Prime murder does the same thing. Like, here's the first three episodes to get you hooked, yeah. so that you'll keep watching, so they can build up, get you to watch at least two hours or at least two and a half hours of content to hook you, because they're not going to do it in thirty minutes or an hour with just one episode, really. Correct. Um, I think they could have done it with one episode here, because like the the ending reveal that he was not an asshole investor that he yeah, was, that he he was, was actually the detective's partner yes would have like hooked anybody to watch it exactly um, so really cool show definitely check it out it's on hulu um now talk to the last show we'll talk about uh, before we get to some of the gaming news is the last show i thought you oh no, no, no yeah, we, got, we got we got two more but we'll, yeah, we'll, sure. we'll, jump, we'll jump to echo before we get to the new stuff yes so i watched the second episode of echo your, your favorite show like, like I said, we did not enjoy the first episode that very much because, like, it ends with, like, why is she doing anything she's doing? Yeah. The second episode, she literally blows up a fucking warehouse of people. Are they all criminals who worked in Fisk, Fisk Organization? Is everybody who works for the Fisk Organization or Fisk Shipping a criminal? Probably not. She blows up an entire fucking uh, warehouse <laughs> in New York. And she does it the stupidest way, too. Like, she... Basically manipulates her cousin who like the grandmother's like, oh, you know, he's he's very impressionable and like, oh, she's not going to get him in trouble. She like come. She's just passing through and leaves town. Right. Yeah. And the cousin, like when he goes says, hey, I brought you some food, some groceries. And like she says, hey, can you get me more stuff and give some a list? The first thing he says, like, this isn't illegal, right? He has to like pick up a camera, a buzzsaw, like drills and all this. Yeah. 
And, like, he doesn't really get an answer to that. And then she just is, like, forcing him to, like, all right, you're back. Thanks for all the stuff. Hey, I, we need to go somewhere. Follow me. Okay, here, follow this tracker. And then she jumps off and jumps onto a train. <laughs> and, like, he is completely dragged into this entire thing. A poor man. Um, where she gets on this train. Uh-huh. Uh, that's that apparently is leaving from uh, Oklahoma where they're at. Mm-hmm. Going to New York. She gets into one container, sneaks into it. Plants a bomb in a container in there, and then sneaks, seals it up, sneaks out, and Lee, and jumps off the train onto the guy's, tr- uh, her cousin's truck to get out of there. Um, and that's when we see the train go to New York, and it blows up when they open up the uh, container and blows up of uh, this huge warehouse and kills a bunch of people, except for like the two like main guys who like walked out last minute. I'm like, wow, she just murdered a bunch of people for what reason? And then. It comes back to the town because they're like, yeah, the shipment was was originated from here. They're going to think, who put a bomb in this package yeah. if it was on a train that didn't stop anywhere between here and there? So, like, the guy who owns the roller skate rink also works with the Fisk Shipping Company. Uh-huh. I guess, like, he's the main manager or whatnot. So he's talking to his people, like, make sure all our paperwork is in order. We did everything right and just keep our heads down. And then he confronts her and says, like, you know, the people close to you are going to get hurt. And she's she's kind of oblivious to it. It's like... You are completely a villain. You killed a bunch of people. You let it lead right back to your fucking what a vi- fucking town. idiot. And then what's really weird about this episode, and this is like why I think a lot of people don't like the Native American parts of this, is because they're almost non. They make almost no sense to have it in there, other than to show off. Hey, here's culture. Because beginning of this episode starts off in 1200 AD Alabama of mm-hmm. tribes playing lacrosse. Okay. And it's just a tribal event where these tribes are there. They're playing, and then you find out, hey, whoever loses the game gets banished from the lands. Um, and this girl's playing, and then she know- she has a flash of the of the pool and the, and the creation of their people and the swirl on their hand. And then she ends up winning the game somehow. Same thing happens to Echo when she's on the train. Because as she's escaping, she fucks up a jump from car to car where, for some reason... They're super far apart with the connectors, which make no sense. They're not. It's not connected distance like a normal freight train would be. Uh huh. She gets her fake leg caught in one of the uh, connect one of the, the connectors that's going back and forth. Okay. And somehow she gets her the swirls on her hand, her hands glow, and she like pushes it apart to get her leg out. So so, so now so she some, has so magic. She has magic powers for no fucking apparent reason other than she's a Native American now, which she didn't have any of this prior. Yeah, that's what um, the State of American stuff in the background show is like. Oh, no, cool! No, look, no. they're showing them playing lacrosse. Although the tribes who created cool lacrosse were in the Canada area, probably not the Alabama area. Yeah. Um, but you're showing but, you all know, this shit. They're all the same, according to Disney now. Yeah. So they're they're showing us all this stuff to like, hey, look at all this culture, and we're gonna tie it back to this character who had no superpowers her entire life until just this one moment, which is really weird for it to manifest. Now there's no explanation for it. Um, she didn't dip herself in goo. Yeah, or she and she didn't like have some tribal like coming to Jesus moment or something. Coming to Jesus moment. Like, like she didn't like do anything to reconnect with her tribe or not to suddenly get this power. It just Fair. happened, and all her actions in this it just causes trouble. And that's why, like I told you, I read like the description of each episode, which was. The first episode that we watched, which was like the history, history and like the clip show. Yeah. This was like she strikes at bat. She strikes at at a fiscal organization. Trouble comes to town. She's gonna have 
across she hits a crossroads in the uh next episode about after learning more about her past uh-huh. and then the big finale at the powwow it's like Okay, so you pick a fight, you get everybody, and you need your entire town of people for no fucking reason. You gotta make a choice of what you're gonna do. Yeah. And then the last ones gather everyone in town to kick out Fisk? Like, okay, yeah, I see why, yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. The cultural elements, it sucks because people who work really hard in creating that and wanting to show that stuff off, it gets showed off in such a non-context way mm-hmm. that it's like, this is a waste. You, Tell a story that in, that involves this stuff that makes sense. You, you know what show does an excellent job at that, Ian? The True Detective, Night Country. True. It does an excellent job on showing the native culture up there and... Yeah, that definitely does. And, and even though, like, I'm like, I'm kind of bored with some of the human element stuff there. And it's mainly just like the relationships that people are having. I don't care about in True Detective more because I'm more interested in the case. Here, the cultural stuff is really interesting, but they're tying it back to the present day in a really like lazy way. Fair. Because here's a character who went through a whole life of, tr- of turmoil and and struggle and overcame all that, but only now does she get superpowers. Yeah. That makes no fucking sense. She, why, she had why no, does she get super powers? Like, she had an amputated leg. She can't uh, can't speak. She's, well, she's deaf. Yeah, she's uh, she's deaf. Um, Which, you know, affects your, your ability to yeah. talk. <laughs> and so, like, growing up in New York City with all that stuff, and then uh, having basically a crime boss as your uncle... Like, none of that triggers any inner innate ability for her to be no, tough. No, this, just this, now when... Her- it's just lucky that she was able to fight off Daredevil, right? That one time when he Daredevil, like, took off. Yeah. Or that would have been a great thing to see. Like, the little swirls of power, like, kind of came into play there. Yeah, but that didn't, obviously. Oh, it no, was just her, no. main, her main physical physique ability to do that. But it's like... Throughout the whole interaction of that second episode, her yeah. cousin f- starts acting as if like he's afraid to say no to her because she's just demanding he do shit and drags him off to it, which sucks for him. Because now, like, by the end of the episode, he's like, I got to sell my PlayStation 4 somebody buy so I got to fix my grandma's truck because she's going to be pissed at me. Um, wow. She sounds like a peach. Yeah, like, Echo, this character is not likable by any means. And even she gets to the episode where, like, oh, there's a crossroads and she has to make a decision where she decides to be good it's like you caused all this problem like you shot fist you don't know if he's alive or dead mm-hmm. but if they're coming for you you obviously ran to, to uh get away from new york nobody finds you so why don't you keep your fucking head down for yeah a while? why'd you go and start a fight and then let it lead right back to you because like when she was confronted Henry's like you're causing chaos so you need to fucking stop she's like no it starts when i say it starts it ends when it's when i say it ends that's power and he's like you're fucking stupid you're gonna get, every, get a bunch of people well, hurt can't like you know the tribe or at least him be like you know what you're out bye just kick her out of the fucking town just take her it out. doesn't work that way the town's not a tribe town it's a regular uh, town you can't kick her out they clearly, like, the grandmother doesn't want her there and all that because of the influence of her father, obviously. Well, affair. Um, so it's like, what the hell are you are you guys even are you guys even thinking with that? Wow. Um, yeah, so we're, I'm not going to finish watching the show. I don't think it's any good. I don't think it's worth watching. Uh, they they let people do a lot of creative stuff and showing a lot of good, cool cultural elements of this tribe, but it's done in a poor way that it's. It feels insulting to watch it. Yes. 
Because, like, oh, cool, here's all this tribal stuff, but, hey, we're going to tie it back to her being a Native American. Um, it's just weird. Because mm-hmm. um, another weird sequence in there is while she was on the train, like, as she's getting into the cart, she has to rip off her denim off of her fake leg because it gets caught. I'm like, one denim doesn't rip off easily like that. No. But I felt like, oh, look, they're reminding us that she has one leg. But it's always because when she gets her leg caught in the train that you're like, oh, yeah, she has one leg. It's like, her leg could have got caught in the train with her jeans. More, makes more sense than her fake leg slipping and getting caught there. Yeah. Um, especially when she's jumping from train to tra- car to train car just fine. And ma- and just miss uh, this one messes up because they the cars stretch a little bit further. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's Echo. Like, I would say it's a hard pass on that. Like, I feel like they're just ma- setting this up to be for Daredevil. Because my understanding from what Mark Bernard said was that the last episode... Guess who's going to start running for political office? Fisk. Yep. So, so it, this, to stop him? Daredevil. This is going to just lead into the new Daredevil show that they're that they're making, and I have probably so, no no care to make her just a side character in that. Yeah. Um. Which again is going to make like the MCU TV show, show series just like the Netflix runs actually fall apart because yes. like the Defenders wasn't very good. Jessica Jones was interesting. Luke Cage was good the first season, but the second season was really kind of boring as fuck. Um, Daredevil was good, uh, but by the t- time they had Iron Fist, Iron Fist, which was terrible, <laughs> and they brought them all together, nobody cared about it because some of the shows fell apart. Yeah, this is a show that at least it shot well and the action's good, but the character is not worth paying attention to, basically. Oh wow, wow. Um, all right, so the last show we're gonna talk about, uh, which okay. is a new show we watched, it's out on Netflix. It's called Delicious in Dungeon. Yes, and it's this kind of funny like meta uh anime about uh fantasy adventures almost like a D adventurer group yes uh but like the issue is like they always have to carry supplies into the dungeon and they can't and they run out of supplies and basically the first episode the main character's sister gets eaten by a dragon so his motivation is i need to go kill this dragon to get my sister out before Be- she gets, gets digested. digested and they have about a month or 25 days to get her out of yeah the dragon. um but what he mentions is that he wants to try and just, like, why don't we just eat the monsters in the dungeon? That way we don't have to take food with us or worry about running out of supplies. And that's when, like, this uh, dwarf guy. They meet in the. They, they meet, like, in the communal <laughs> area. Basically, it's like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll show you how to cook them monsters. And, like, it's just a hilarious show of them killing something in the dungeon, cooking up a really delicious meal, and then forcing this elf girl to eat it who's like, this is disgusting. I don't want to, but oh, wow, it tastes so good. Yes. And it's basically rinse and repeat every episode. But it's a delight. But it's really funny to watch. It's funny. And it comes out, uh, there's only two episodes out now. Or sorry, there's three, three, three episodes. episodes out. Um, it comes out every Thursday on Netflix. Um, really worth watching. Really fun to watch, I think. Um, it's a good lighthearted watch. Yeah. Um, like I said, it's nothing like super serious or uh, super heavy like other animes are. It's kind of making fun of itself. Whether this is like people playing a game and they're they're the avatars, it or it's like this is just a fantasy world set up like a game world is. Yeah, it's just a fantasy world set up like a game because they did have flashbacks of oh when my mother used to cook me this yeah, um, right. omelet and. But it's all set up like as if it's like a D and D game. Yes. Um. D and D characters playing out their fantasies in this dungeon and yeah. it's wonderful and like as they go through like oh look these traps of oil oh, i can use that oil to deep fry stuff and like they start deep frying 
uh, the monsters that they find there. Like, yes. they cut the plant monsters for vegetables and kill something else, uh, kill the cockatrice for, like, the meat. Meat and the egg. And it's, yeah. it's so humorous. It's almost like a Food Wars, but not as focused on the... On, on the boobs? Yeah, Food Wars is, like, sex and food. <laughs> Where like this is like focused on the food and the hilarity of like where of where it's coming from, mm-hmm. and then one person being completely disgusted with having to eat it, but like oh it does taste good, and then trying to come to terms with like mm-hmm. I have to eat the, eat this food as they try and go in. Yeah. So it looks like it's gonna be twelve episodes. So they have full perfect. Season. Um, but really funny, and it's only a half hour per episode, so definitely check it out. Uh. I would say it's one of the better animes just because it's lighthearted. It doesn't have any like heavy, heavy like uh, thematic themes. themes to it. It's yeah. just a fun, good time to watch. It's not grotesque in any way. It's not a harem, bo- boring love your, story. Your mom or... can walk in yeah. and not be like, oh my God. Yeah. It's it's a decent anime to watch, it looks like. It's fun. Yeah. All right. All right. Now, moving on to gaming stuff. This week, we yeah. had the Xbox developer... Uh, show yes. where they basically showed off five games. Uh, one was a surprise, which was uh, Visions of Mana. Mm-hmm. Now, Visions of Mana is part of a huge franchise. Uh, first game I ever played was Secret of Mana on the Super Nintendo. But there's like Secret of Mana, Mist of Mana. Like, there's a ton of Manas. mana games <laughs> out there. And they've come out with like a few remakes of like Secret of Mana or whatnot, I think, on PlayStation and on. Uh, Nintendo. This is gonna be the first mana game that's on Xbox. It's very reminiscent of the art style of like Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who designed it's like been designing the monsters and stuff since he was a kid. That I remember first playing Secret Man. I'm like, what's this blob with ears? And it turns out that's his vision of a rabbit. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's literally like a blob, a, blob a fat blob with ears, and then it has like a fuzzy tail on the back, and that's how you know it's a rabbit. <laughs> But it's like a monster you find. The unique thing about that franchise was that instead of being a turn-based like Final Fantasy game at the time, the combat was all real-time. Mm-hmm. Almost like Legend of Zelda, but it was still like point-based like uh, Final Fantasy. Okay. So where Zelda was like you just hit something till it dies, and you never like, kind of saw like its health bar. This, you don't... Uh, I don't remember seeing health bar stuff, but it'd be like, oh, you did six damage, two damage, one damage. Right. Uh, as you kept hitting it. Um and then healing yourself on the fly type of stuff. Uh, so it was, a, it was a very unique, good game. And, like, I remember the make being very uh, long. So pro- this will probably be just as good. But it definitely has uh, anime-style feel to it that's more like for more like a ch- for kids, I feel like. Okay. Kind of like how Dragon Quest is. Dragon Quest has, like, its style because it's the guy who made Dragon Ball Z. So kind of like the preteen look. Yeah, everything looks like Dragon, like early Dragon Ball content basically and this is now done in 3d updated graphics and all that they give you a giant like little wolf thing to ride yeah which looks cute um but i don't know what the whole story is but they it was basically the first introduction and that was the big surprise uh item to it they have a civilization game that they announced called aura which is like aura of history or something which is just like civilizations but a history grand strategy game um, the other game was uh, Hellblade 2. Finally got announced and got a release date for, I think, May. Wow. <laughs> um, so they showed some more content on that. Um, and then there was... What was the other ones? I, uh, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is the big one, but there was one other one. 
Um, oh gosh, I know what you're talking about. Avowed. Avowed. Avowed was the one where weird thing about Avowed is that the gameplay looks weird. It's it, it looks awesome. dated. Like it's very Skyrim a little bit with the slightest update to the graphics of Skyrim. Yeah, and then you know? when I was a friend pointed out when we were looking at the gameplay preview, I was like, yeah, the faces look weird to me. It's like, yeah, because you can see the line where the motion capture stopped on yes. the character face. Um, and which you mentioned that, like, you could see on, like, almost all the characters that they showcase, like, oh, you can see where it stops and, like, their eyebrows stop moving or, like, right just both their head stop, their forehead doesn't move with what they're, with what they're doing. Um, and that's kind of what it feels like. The characters, the character they're talking to, wasn't emoting what he was saying properly. Yeah. So it felt weird. Um, but basically they said they started off to be a kind of like a Skyrim clone and then Obsidian went and changed it and wanted it to be different. So it has elements of that versus, but to me, it doesn't look as gritty as Skyrim. They're trying to say the combat's not just hack and slash. Like, yeah. Uh, like, like they showed, is. yeah, they showed like a person dual wielding like uh wands. Wands. You can switch to um, that to having a shield, swords, so any weapon. Gun. Gun, there's guns in it. Um, so you can do any play style you want, but like they're saying, like they're trying to say that you're going to have to be thoughtful about how you how you do combat. Mm -hmm. But I think it's all going to come down to just hack and slash again. It always does. Like okay, block when this happens, but or dodge when that happens, but then you're just going to spam the attack button to hit shit. Yes. Um, it's very hard for you to show me like a first person game and be like. Yeah, here's melee combat. It's going to be thoughtful, not just you spamming the attack button like in Elder Scrolls. It's <laughs> yeah. like, what you're showing me is somebody spamming the attack button and they're just moving around like yeah. you do in, in all those other games. So um, I wasn't too impressed with it. It sounds somewhat interesting. Uh, the environments look cool. Uh, but the big showcase piece was Indiana Jones with yes. uh, Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. And you don't like how they look. <laughs> well, it's the weird. The Uncanny Valley for you. Is... Well, it's weird because... Um, when they've done this in the past, like they, what they, it looks like they probably use motion capture for some of the animations, mm -hmm. but they're using Harrison Ford's face. They're using the guy's face who played, um, the museum curator. They're using the actors yes. who are in the movies likenesses in the game. Yeah. The problem with that is that when they've done that before and you have a motion capture performance, but you put someone else's face on it, it doesn't, it looks weird. It doesn't match up properly. And it's weird that, there. like, Troy Baker's doing the voice, but he's doing a Harrison Ford impersonation. So sometimes it sounds a little bit like Harrison Ford, but other times it doesn't. Yeah, it's certain. But it's Harrison Ford's face. That tip it off. I just feel like it would be more successful if, like, Indiana Jones game world was like, here's our model of Indiana Jones. It does not have to be Harrison Ford. But here's the problem. You think Indiana Jones, your brain automatically goes to Harrison Ford. And if you put generic white guy face on there you're going to piss a lot more people off i think they played it smart with what they did i think that's coaxed people into jumping into it right away where i feel like yeah you're making it canonical you're making it fit with the movies but it not being a movie tie-in game feels weird because those these performances aren't done by the actors that that doesn't bother me. Well, well, and we like we haven't seen enough either, right? Yeah. To really know how the performances go. So all the actors are either old or dead. So yeah, and that's you're not going to get motion capture of them. Also, they don't even move the same as they did when they were in their twenties and thirties. Which is understandable. Is why like 
before they had game adventure games that were like, hey, here's in the end Jones clone type game. Like, I'm I'm fine with the game version of the character not looking like the movie character because that's how it's always been kind of in the past. They don't make Laura Croft look like Angelina Jolie after the movies came out. Well, Angelina Jolie was supposed to look like Laura Croft, and that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, but like because her she had a movie franchise out of it though. But what, I, two out two movies that's a franchise yeah they gave me a sequel and it was pretty successful Fine. but like when they made the next game they didn't make the character look like angelina jolie no because it wasn't a movie tie-in with indiana jones though it's fucking harrison ford you can't get past that i'm sorry dear it's like saying like if you watched the TV show Indiana Jones. Why is it a young, ver- younger looking version of Ford? Because it says young Indiana Jones. Yeah. So <laughs> why does it why does it look like River Phoenix then? Because River Phoenix is the young Indiana Jones, but he wasn't in the TV show because he's dead, obviously. But they didn't get anybody <laughs> to look like him to do the TV show. So it's not. So it's it's, it's called bad uh, <laughs> casting. Then it's just it's just weird to me that. It's the characters from the movie, but it's not their performance because it's like when you we have like uh, Star Wars: Fallen Jedi, right, and uh, Fallen Order, mm-hmm. Fallen Order, and uh, Survivor, right. That's a motion capture performance done by an actor. That actor is the character in the game. Yes, this is but most... that's a choice. But we a have lot to, of... we'll have to see how the animation works with this. Well, I think you have to see it because you're not. <laughs> You You're not convinced. Okay, okay. So I saw the performance of um, Mary Jane in Spider-Man Two. Uh huh. That's ca- that's captured by a, a motion capture actress. Yes. And then the face got changed over. That looks a lot more like somebody else. Her facial animations, or or something, something looks somewhat weird and off-putting a little bit because they did that change versus the other characters that. Here's the character. Here's the actor who did it. Here's his motion capture data. Here's his animation. Everything matches up perfectly. I'm worried that that's going to happen with this, where it's going to be like, "Huh, that looks weird because it's Harrison Ford's face, but it's not working right because the because he didn't do the motion capture." Well, again, we're going to have to see more uh, cut scene because a lot of this is also going to be in first person. Yeah, that's the other big news about so, it. They chose specifically to do a which first is, person game. I think is smart thing to do, so you don't get a lot of person forward face and then they don't so, get people tearing it apart by staring at it the whole time exactly so that's the smart move that they're doing and also we'll need to see more of the facial animations uh closer to whenever they release this yeah to get so, full effect to see if they took the time for the animators to go in with the motion capture data and find tune it so it's not so Mary Jane. Yeah, and so that is the other big thing about it is that it was a first per- it's a first person game. They do go out to third person when like you swing or you climb up a up a building to give you that Indiana Jones adventures feel, mm-hmm. which I thought that was a good idea too to like zoom out of those moments. Well, also you don't want to be first person just staring at a rope going doo, doo, doo. Yeah, which they've <laughs> done that in some games before like Breakout uh, was a game where like they had you play completely in first person 100% of the time, and yet it's nauseating to mantle up on stuff. Yeah. So it's cool that they do that, but what the other weird thing is, and I guess it will fit more with the t- with it being a time period piece, and this is taking place between... Um, the, like, right before Last Crusade. Yeah, it's between the when first you, and third movie. Yeah, between Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade is the timeline where they placed this. Um, 
what I think is going to be interesting is the whip combat because, like, if yeah. he has a whip, he uses it sometimes, but he's not usually his primary weapon. He usually just punches people. But you're in a you're in like an open area with a bunch of Nazis and guns, so I feel like there's gonna be a lot of stealth elements in there. First person stealth. I think you're going to pick up guns. Let's be honest, you're going to pick up a gun and shoot a Nazi. True, but I don't feel like it's gonna be a lot of first person shooting. Well, also, I don't think it's going to be a lot of gun action or I think, too much uh, action. The thing is, you got to get him in a situation where fisticuffs makes the most sense to fight. Where yeah, in a game like when it comes to game, and that's gonna be hard to like pull off that type of gameplay. It's the same problem with that, right? Like, oh, you're going to have to be thoughtful about your movements. Well, Kingdom Come, Kingdom Come does that. Uh, Kingdom Deliverance, I think. Kingdom Come Deliverance. Okay. That first person <laughs> medieval game yeah. where, like, literally you need to make sure you're blocking correctly with the swords or whatnot. You get your ass kicked. That's really high difficulty there. Mm-hmm. Skyrim is too easy where people are like, oh, I just hack, I just spam the attack button yeah. and I hit stuff. What's the in-between there that's not going to be too difficult, but also feel, make you feel like you can actually win it? Yeah. Because um, it's not going to be a stealth game, obviously, but, and he does have a gun, he has a whip, and he punches people, which is what Indiana Jones does. But, like, usually, if you look at the Indiana Jones movie, he's punching people all the time. Yeah. Because a gun is usually too, too quick, <laughs> and the whip is usually more of a traversal tool, not a... To reversal and crowd control, not really. I'm going to whip this guy to death. Well, no, no. Like even so, they showed the game where like he's grab, he's using the whip to to grab people's legs and pull them around. Like you don't see that in the movies to drop the guns. Yeah, Um, you gotta do something. The nice thing is they are gonna have a focus on puzzles, so it'll be interesting how that works. Um, Because that that's gonna I think gonna be the main thing that people have to grab people have good interesting puzzles, Um, and the fact that. The mystery here uh, should take him around the world. So you'll get to have lots of different areas. It's not just going to be yeah. based in Egypt. It's not going to just be based in a jungle. We'll be able to go to a bunch of different areas, a bunch of different historical uh, cultures. Uh, so, honestly, it sounds like a better story than the fucking di- Desti- Dial of Destiny. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's it'll probably be better than Dial of Destiny. Yeah. And Crystal Skull. So... That was the developer direct. That's all the big news that we got out of that. So I, mm-hmm. I think Hellblade looks really good. Uh, that was the only game that got an actual del- release date. Everything else said 2024 or fall 2024, which means it's probably going to get delayed till next year. Yes. Um, I would be surprised if Indiana Jones actually comes out this fall. Um, the Civilization game, yeah, that can come out. Really In the care. fall, yeah. <clears throat> that has its its um, fan base. Visions of Mana, meh. Um, <laughs> avowed like we have to see more of what that game is going to be about. Yes. Um, I think the animations there are probably the weakest that we saw as far as like facial animations. Indiana Jones stuff does really look like him. It's just Troy Baker's voice hits the mark sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. Maybe they'll fix it up more. So in we'll find out. Um, I don't know, like. I think he. I think he's <laughs> nailed like the old like thoughtful indie voice, but like the enthusiastic young. Uh, Harrison Ford voice, he doesn't nail very well. <clears throat> um, so we'll have to see how that, how that comes out. Yeah. But everything's supposed to be 2024. So Fall for Aura History Untold, the Civilization game. Fall for Avowed. Summer for Visions of Man, which from what they, I see in the game, they could easily uh, hit the summer mark with that one because there's plenty of games that have the, almost the same art style and same gameplay model that 
are easy enough in the engine that they're using that they should be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, May 21st is when Hellblade is supposed to come out. We'll have to see how that goes. I think the one thing with that game that's going to be different is the first game was weird, was like a weird trip of somebody who was grieving and who has had clearly mental health issues and was hearing voices and all this stuff. Uh, but the second game they explain it as, oh, the voices are the Furies. So it's like, what? so <laughs> the Furies are the voices she's hearing. Is that now you're now saying that it's just a supernatural element that she's experiencing all the time and not her just being crazy? Because the first game was like, clearly she's crazy. She's well, hearing. She's going through a mental health. Oh, she's issues. going through a mental crisis, right? The second game, we don't necessarily know what the plot is, but when they when they give a name to the voices as the the Furies, I'm like, all right, you're taking away what the first game had, yeah. and you're now explaining it as a supernatural thing. It's kind of off off putting with that. Um, so I'll see where that goes. Uh, but that was the developer direct that uh, happened last week. Um, whether or not what Sega is or what Sony is doing, what Nintendo is doing, there's no news for what's coming out in the new year for them. I'm sure they'll put something they'll out. They'll put something out, but that, there's nothing that came out for CES on that stuff uh, this month, so probably have to wait till um, uh, the uh, game convention that they have for, like, uh, where they have the game awards for mm. the developer awards. Yeah. That's when we'll probably hear some new announcements from everyone else. Okay. Um, like I said, the only thing, only thing that's coming out right now soon is... Suicide Squad's around the corner, which that game looks like garbage and nobody should buy it. Uh, Persona 3 Remastered is coming out to Mm -hmm. Game Pass on the 1st of February, so that will be a good game to play. And probably another long one, just like Persona 5 was. Um, And then the next big one is Dragon's Dogma at the end of March. Yay! Then after that would end up being uh, Hellblade 2 in May, so... We'll see what else uh, gets announced in between now and then. Yes. Right. So that's, Sounds let's, exciting. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can find us at uh, www.nerdcrusade.com. Mm-hmm. And you can find us on Twitch at twitch, uh, sla- twitch.com slash the Nerd Crusade. Uh, catch some of our streams there. Um, and that's it for this week. Yeah. I, mean, I have nothing else. Yep. So next week we'll talk more about death, death and the detail and other details. Uh, Night Country. Uh, we'll probably uh, maybe catch the Marvel since that's now out on streaming. Yeah. And let you know what we think about that and any gaming news that happens between now and then. All right. So we'll catch you next week. Bye.